It's a new year and a new me and a new Miles. And we figured we'd spend this month talking about the questions that we've never asked each other. And today, it's all about movies. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to your new favorite show, The More You Nerd, where we are here to discuss all things nerdy. But specifically in this episode, we're talking about movies. And, you know, we talk about movies a lot, but have kind of a kind of a little spin on this. Miles, my friend, how are you? I'm doing good. Um, I, I resent this whole uh, new me. I think the old me was fine, so I'm keeping him. So 2023 me is extending. I'm still 2023 me. I've decided that this was my eight year cutoff that the, uh, like, you know how <laughs> you're like all, all your, all your cells, uh, you know, reproduce in a cycle to where like every eight years it's a, it's a new person. And I've just decided that that's me this time. Yeah, uh, but it. miles, um, I'm going to tell you a little, a little story. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to get into this because you approached me with a, with a idea that I thought was really, really fun to talk about. So I, as uh, you know, you are aware and some of our listeners might be aware, am an only child. Uh, and I had two parents that worked. Uh, so when I, uh, you know, during during my my developing years, I spent a lot of time alone and sometimes summer would roll around. This would have been a good summer conversation. But here we are in the second day of January in 2024, but you know, whatever. Um, I would, you know, make it a point to, to try to do things. And there was a particular summer that a little box set of films came out. Um, it's pretty obscure. Uh, the, um, Oh, what were they called? The star Wars special editions came out. The THX ones? The, 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 well, the THX edition came out earlier and then the special edition with all the other stuff. I had, oh, the special special edition. Yeah. I, I'm sorry. I, I honestly, I, when you say that though, I had both of them. So now I don't know which one. Uh, you know, I guess it one would have VHS. Well, they so. were both, they were both VHS. Oh, so you had the other VHS. But okay. I, I, but now that you mentioned it, I think it was the original versions because this would have been too early for the special editions because the special editions didn't start coming out until shortly before uh shortly before the prequels started coming out yeah it was like right before the prequels so this would have been several years earlier than that so i uh i i had seen star wars um and mm -hmm. i liked star wars uh but i got these movies and i was home for the summer by myself in my house because that was something you could do back then and uh i made it a point uh to attempt on many days to watch all three Star Wars movies in one day. And, and, <laughs> and if I didn't get it done, I would try again the next day and try again the next day. And sometimes I just did it because I wanted to. And it got me thinking, Miles, I wonder what the movie I have seen the most amount of times is. Obviously, yeah, this is obviously for me, like a Star Wars movie or a Star Trek movie. I couldn't do the Star Trek movies in one day because there were too many of them. Even back yeah, there's then, too many. Uh, there were enough bad ones. You don't want to. There were seven of them back then. Uh, but it, it got me thinking, like, what movies have I seen so many times and what movies have I seen so many times, despite the fact that maybe I don't even like this movie or maybe I didn't do it by choice. It was just the only so, thing that was on. I love this idea because, you know, people talk about their favorite movies all the time. And the, your favorite movie may not be the movie that you've seen the most. Because I always think of, of a, a movie that you've seen the most as the most comfortable, comfortable movies. Like, and sometimes it's movies from your childhood that you have seen a million times. And then you'll just play again. Um, like, when I would... When I, <laughs> I was so excited when you when you brought this this idea up because, you know, you know me, I have always been a physical media collector. And so I had a library of VHS tapes, but there was a handful that I always played, like, like when I was doing homework or 
just after school, like winding down, like the or trying to go to sleep. I I had like several movies that were always in rotation, no matter what other movies I wanted to watch, and so I I always find this is an interesting conversation because you know those movies can also be your favorite movies. They may not be the best movies. Oh, I would but... I would I would only count one of these movies that I have kind of been thinking about as a movie that I would even put near my favorite list. <laughs> Cause I have a movie that's I'm kind of right or die for, and it's very much not a good movie, but I will, I will step up for this frankly garbage movie. Well, go ahead. Shout it out. Shout it out. So what this, is this? So this one's, this one's not the movie I've seen the most, but a movie that I watched a ton as a kid, cause I caught it on cable and then went out and bought the VHS was the pest starring John Leguizamo. John Leguizamo's The Pest. I have never seen this movie because even at the time, I I liked John Leguizamo because he was in something else. Well, he, was, he, was, he was Luigi. Yeah, but he was in like a TV show or something at the time. Um, um Well, I mean, he wasn't he in... I'm not sure what TV show he was in. He always was popping up in films. And uh, when we were, you know, kind of middle school, early high school, he was in Romeo and Juliet as yeah, uh, that, Tybalt. Uh, yeah, I think he was Tybalt in that, which was a really cool. Um, say what you always... say what you will about that movie. I think it's I, I think it's kind of neat. I don't know. It's silly. Most people are are pro that movie. People love Boz Lerman's version of that movie. Because, <laughs> um, I mean, it's a very cool interpretation of that movie um however some people have made that movie their personality but i have always loved john leguizamo i love his energy his charisma and his brand of comedy and he was in this weird pushing the envelope not very good like kind of comedic take on the most dangerous game um except the most dangerous game happens to be a con man (laughs) um and uh, it, it's a movie that I watched all the time. There are weird, dumb jokes that I will sometimes recite and no one gets because no one saw this dumb movie. And it unfortunately uh, stars uh, Jeffrey. Um, oh, what's his name? The child predator. From Ferris Bueller. Oh, yeah. Well, we don't need to bring up his whatever name. his name is. No, who um, you're talking he's, about. He's the bad guy who is hunting uh john leguizamo a very apropos role for him um i believe the reason i knew who john leguizamo was is because he was on a very short-lived uh comedy show on fox on sunday nights called house of buggin which would have been on i know the i have not thought about that show in forever well it only had 10 episodes it did not last very long but I but that would have been on if it was according to this, it was on 830 on Sunday nights on Fox and well, the Simpsons was on at eight. So if I was already watching the Simpsons, I was right. watching whatever came next. <laughs> Not only that, but like so uh, your local Fox affiliate was how I I grew up watching The Next Generation because it would come on after the local news and because it would be The Next Generation and then two episodes of uh, Mary Children where i was and i would stay up to watch tng syndicated every every night and so i probably saw house of bugging commercials and that's why it's familiar for me but yeah um this was not one that was like necessarily on my my list but it was an example of like this movie's not necessarily good but like it is a a a weird movie where where john leguizamo plays like this lovable con man who gets mistaken as a ideal specimen for a Latino to complete this, this like escaped Nazis collection of human trophies. And, um, <laughs> what basically a, what a weird offers concept offers John Leguizamo's character, a uh, pest a million dollars. If he can hunt, uh, hunt him. And if he succeeds successfully does not, uh, hunt him, you know, they will pay, him a million dollars maybe it's, maybe it might even be fifty thousand at that point it was like 1997 um and it is very lowbrow humor 
And John Leguizamo has a song that he sings and performs in it called Rudy <laughs> no, Mamba. It, it was only $50,000. It was not a million dollars. It was $50,000. I, I, I forget. I remember at the time it was supposed to be a big deal, which in 97, $50,000 is a lot of money. But um, I, I, I absolutely love this movie. And it was constantly on rotation because it's a very digestible. Uh, but yeah, so that that was the first thing that popped in my head. It was not my number one, but like that was one that I I I thought of an example because I was like, I have seen this this not great movie that I will go to bat for so many times, and I I gotta know like what's one that you were thinking of when you started this conversation. So again, I was a, a child that spent a lot of time uh, in my house, and so I think about oh um. I think about movies that I saw on cable a lot. Uh, Miles and I almost did a podcast all about stuff that we saw that we watched on on TV. I, I still constantly. kind of want to do that. Still show. want I to do it. That idea. Still and honestly, want to the do Forever it. Night thing did not dissuade me from that. I thought this is, nope. this is a show. <laughs> nope. Still want to do it. Um, you know, pay, what? Might, it might do another pilot season this year. <laughs> pay us money and we will do it. Uh, I don't have time without quitting my job. But so the movie that I think of, and this is a movie that I remember simultaneously so much about and absolutely nothing about it, is a film called Tremors 2 Aftershocks. Aftershocks with Fred Ward. With Fred uh, Ward and this movie. Michael Gross. And, and so... Uh, I was Tremors was a movie that I was terrified of as a child, not because I'd ever seen it, but because when I was a kid, because that movie came out in like 91, 1990, I wanna, 1990 I would yeah, have been, we did it for the Kaiju show. I would have been, yeah, uh, uh, six years old in 1990. The poster scared the crap out of me because it was just oh, yeah, people it's, walking it's a, and like the big thing. And it's a wonderful Jaws ripoff. And, uh, and wouldn't you know it? Uh, I watched Tremors two, and Tremors two was on all the time. It is a all the time. It is a director direct to video sequel to Tremors. Um, Fred Ward comes back, and uh, Michael Gross was comes the back. Was second one video? I thought that was theater theatrical. Uh, no, it was direct to video. No, it was right video. Okay. Uh, Tremors two was so popular that they made a three, and then they ended up making. Oh, they made like eight of those films. Well, they made a TV and show. Sci-Fi yeah, Channel they, had a TV they, show. They made a TV show and then a pilot with Kevin Bacon that they passed on. Wild. Which um, is nuts because Kevin, I, I don't know if you've seen Tremors recently, but Kevin Bacon, that movie is so good. <laughs> <laughs> so I did, again, they would often show Tremors or Tremors 2. Um, but Tremors 2, I just remember there, I remember more because they, they, it's the sequel. So, you know, in Tremors, there's the things that go into the ground, the graboids. Well, this yeah. it turns out the graboids can explode and give birth to these tinier little two legged things that they had a name, but yeah, I can't remember what the Batman creatures uh, shriekers. They start calling them shriekers. And uh, they they actually they use like the, the the infrared vision like the predator does. And so they can see like that. And in fact, I think <laughs> I think Earl at one point uses uh it doesn't use mud but he uses something else uh to to hide his 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 heat signature so that he can mm -hmm. get around um yeah no i am a huge fa huge fan of this movie i i am i i would say i didn't watch a i've watched it a lot as a kid i would not have put this on my list but this is a movie that i definitely saw a lot well yeah because because again i didn't buy a lot of of movies i didn't go out and like i would rent things um i can't i honestly can't remember the movies that i rented and watched on tape all the time but i remember sp distinctly this movie being on all the time and watching it nearly every time i came across it yeah, this this is one um, that I I always loved. There was an attempted uh, Xbox and PS2 game for Tremors that never happened, and I would have loved that. Um, I want to see Tre it. Tremors Two is a is a good one. Was that was that the one that you first popped up when you thought of this idea? Yes, or? first thing that came to my mind was Tremors Two. Um, actually, it's the second yeah. one that came. It's the second one that came to my mind because the first one is more obvious. Um. In fact, thinking about the first right. one, thinking about the first one is what led me to this path. And I'll I'll mention the I'll mention that one uh, in my next turn uh, because 
you're going to be like, oh, well, yeah, that's why we're thinking about well, this. right. So my my first one. And it's weird because I have like I have like three or four movies that I played in rotation a lot. And but there's one I think that I played more than any other movie. And one that was, I mean, like MSC3K, it was very integral to my sense of humor, to who I was at the time. And some of the stuff hasn't aged very well, but like I always think this creator has been very, very well meaning and has always kind of stepped up after the fact. And one of the movies I have watched probably more than almost any other one is Kevin Smith's Mallrats. Mallrats. I saw Mallrats all the time. If it was on TV, I watched it. I had it on VHS. I had it on DVD. I had it on Blu-ray. But this is a movie that I, if I had nothing else to watch, if the, if the cable was messed up or if whatever had happened, if I had nothing else to watch, I would just throw on Mallrats. Um, I... I resonated with this movie so much as a slacker, like tween slash teenager who did go to the mall just to hang out. It was a thing we did. It was a thing we did. And then I worked in a mall for a period of time after college and uh, malls are different, different game now. And they're even they worse, are a different game now. And like, they're I even will, worse I, than I, they I, were before. <laughs> they, they, they are. Like what I'll do now, like once a year, maybe once every 16 months, I'll put on like my, my earbuds and I'll just kind of walk around the mall and vibe. But like just to get that, that kind of like oomph of like the, the 80s, 90s mall culture, because uh, the Haywood Mall in Greenville uh, hasn't really changed that much since the 90s. Um, the stores have, but like it still has a lot of the, the decorum. And so I'll kind of just kind of get the, the overall mall vibe. Maybe stop in FYE and see what kind of crap they've decided to sell for super cheap <laughs> um, and and visit my local Hot Topic, because why not? Um, but Mallrats Mal is a movie that. I mean, I, fe I feel like any adolescent. Kevin Smith spoke to. Um, if you were slightly nerdy. Like because because he had all these these nerdy references at a time where no one was doing that. Th this was not a thing that people were doing like now. Like even even Marvel movies now have comic book references. But this was a time where if you were into that kind of stuff, like Kevin Smith was kind of the only game in town. It was the first Stanley cameo. It was, and <laughs> and and two, honestly, still one of the best Stanley cameos. <laughs> and I think the movie even pauses and is like, hey, kids, it's Stan Lee, which is like one of my favorite little pauses in a movie. I love that in, in Stan Lee's cameo in uh, Captain Marvel, which takes place in the 90s, features the script, the script from all rats. rats. It's like it, it's what goes around comes around. <laughs> yeah. And I, I mean, I love I love I love that one, that one as well. But um, no, I, I mean, for the longest time, I was like, oh, you know, the, the big thing about a lot of people coming up and I know a lot of people. Like, oh, no, it's just dudes like it was not. I, I had more friends that were girls that loved Kevin Smith than dudes. Um, there was something that people have always cheered about this guy. Like he always felt like he was one of us. And that's a, that's a nebulous phrase now. But like in in the 90s, it was like, oh, no, this dude's like me. Like he's just this. Because, I mean, these movies are very 14-year-old boy, you know? Like, Mallrats is kind of a 14-year-old boy movie. Like, it's it's not fully developed. It's not quite there. And, like, it has some ideas that, hey, that's neat, but it's really not cooked. Yeah. Um, Like, there's some ideas of, like, I like what you're doing here. But you also have, I mean, you have early Affleck appearances. You have, I mean, Jay and Silent Bob becoming Jay and Silent Bob for real. And you have Jason Lee, like introducing the world to Jason Lee, the actor, not Jason Lee, the skateboarder. And I thought he was the funniest dude in the world <laughs> at the time. And I mean, I get, I get this movie hasn't aged super great, and it bombed at the time. Like Kevin Smith had to like apologize for this movie. Like this is a demoralizing movie for him. But I have always gone to bat for this film, and part of it was, you know, it was in the back of every single comic book I had when it was coming out. 
And when I got to see it, because the movie came out in 95, I was 11. So I had to wait for it to come out so that my dad would let me rent it. Um, and I, I think I bought it uh, used from the video store because you could buy like their copies of something for, for cheap as opposed to buy by paying like 30 bucks for a VHS at the time. And I, I, I feel like I, I watched that movie probably more than gosh, there's like two movie, three movies that might have like contention for this <laughs> one, but, 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 but the one that comes to my mind is Mallrats. So another one that this is really the one that kicked all this off for me, Miles, because I think about this movie a lot. I think about this movie so much that you thought you were going to get me to not talk about this movie on a podcast this week. Uh, that film is Back to the Future 2. <laughs> okay. If you've been a long time, really? if you've been a long time listener to this show, you know that I love Back to the Future 2. I think Back to the Future 2 is the most fun of all of the Back to the Future films. I think, I think it is. Uh, you hate three and I like three a lot. I haven't. So the problem is I hated three then and I haven't really gone back to watch three Dude, since. Watch, the trilogy, watch them all together. It's a fun. It's a fun like viewing. But it's just so much fun. It's it is. it's a hilarious. It's adventure. It has a look of the future past uh, that is so funny that in 2015 in the future, that we are sadly farther away from <laughs> 1985 than 1985 was to 1955 in the first movie. At least we're still close to their version of 2015 with fax machines in every room of the house and not an internet or cell phone to speak of. I just think it's hilarious. Um, and I, I adore this movie and every it's time, a, I mean, I love this movie too whether I caught it on the the first five minutes or the last five minutes, I was watching it, whatever, whenever it was on miles. Do you know how long it took me to realize that Michael J. Fox plays both his son and his daughter in that movie? Oh, really? <laughs> Do you know how long it took me to realize that? How, how long a long how, time how long did it take you to to realize that he played marlene mcfly marlene mcfly who i believe they dubbed over the voice to make it slightly I, less I obvious they did. it's been a, it's i haven't watched it since 2015 because when we did our back to the future 2 special i know me and patrick or patrick and i watched all three in yeah. preparation um but um I, yeah. I love those movies there is there is something about that zemeckis magic I mean, it's, it's it's Zemeckis and Spielberg, but like, and and something about two specifically because that one is where you go to the future, and it was it was retro future, which I love so much. Like, Miles, Miles and I have had a, an idea for a podcast, uh, and I think somebody else submitted this as an idea for a podcast that we should cover the the versions of the future that are now technically in our past. And my first thought was uh, to do Back to the Future too. And wouldn't you know? We already did that seven yeah, years we, ago. We did that in 2015. <laughs> but but I, um, it, it's a theme that we are going to return to. I mean, we keep talking about it a lot. And I like, like nothing makes me happier than watching an old trailer and saying, like, in the future of 1999. Like, like, I love Escape from New York. I know we already did those. But, like, that takes place in 1997. Um, I mean, technically, Turbo Kid takes place in 1999. But it's a it's an eighties idea of I mean, yeah, you so can't like, count that one because it was already like 2010 when that movie came out. It, 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 yeah. yeah. It, I know. I know. But I, um, there's a couple movies that have, have, have popped in my head and I have, I've fished a drew that take place in oddly enough, a, there was a time where like in the nineties, they thought in four years, things are going to get super weird. Like there are movies in 1995 that take place in 1999 that are far beyond anything in 1999. Predator 2 takes place in 1999. Like, I, I know, uh, which is one we had covered. There's one we haven't that I brought up to you personally. And I'm like, this movie takes place in, in 1999. And there is no freaking way because <laughs> this movie came out in 95. Yeah. And, but it's one of those things where like, 
oh, I, I love seeing those big ideas. So that, that is something we were absolutely going to return to. But yeah, there was something about Back to the Future 2 that does ignite that that imagination about the future. Because yes, it's fun now to see that kind of nostalgic, like synthwave kind of version of the 80s vision of the future. Um, but when I was a kid, like that idea that oh yeah we'll have hoverboards and you know the posters will come out at you which might seem like an existential nightmare now but as a kid the idea that jaws would come out and like snatch at me oh that was the coolest thing in the entire world and the fact that real life 2015 has so much better special effects than that poster coming to life of jaws was it jaws 15 which was jaws like 13 i think is what they like and i want to i want to say it was directed by steven spielberg jr or something like that it was uh it wasn't directed by spielberg anyway um i i can do it is like we still didn't have the 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 giant hologram that comes out at you but even i gotta say marty like even then that that shark like come on guys (laughs) come Come on on. dude you can see through it baby it's fine Like, ah, but the, I, I, I love that movie. Uh, it's one that I've been wanting to rewatch recently. Um, and I think they just put that the trilogy out on 4K, didn't they? Didn't they put? They out may have. 4K? It's I, I, I looked at it yesterday on sale on iTunes, and it's like 15 bucks for all three movies. I was like, Gosh, I might, I might have to, might have to, do, might that. Have to do that because I, I do love those movies. I watched those a lot as a kid. I watched the laughs like more than anything. I remember watching the last 15 minutes of Back to the Future 2 the most with the um, the clock tower and everything. With, well, well, the, the clock towers in the clock towers in one. Um, it's in one, but, but they it's do all it again in two. Well, it's, two well, gives you the to be continued. Well, so, no, so what's happening is all that stuff is happening in the background of Marty back in 1955 because mm-hmm. he's trapped there because he doesn't have the time machine and he's sitting in the diner. And it's raining outside and he's given a telegram that was not told an address, but was told to go to this specific point in time uh, to hand it to Marty McFly, who would be there. And it's from Doc, who's back in the past. And it's like, da, 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 da. I love Back to the Future. I love I Back too. to the Future. I also, I love that, like, one of the very few memories of, of my first initial, like, Florida theme park trip when I was a kid. I don't remember much of Disney. I remember we did go to Universal and I remember I got to go on the Back to the Future ride and that Back to the Future ride was so cool. It's so good. And it's I so good. I and love I, I love the Simpsons. I kind of hate that the Back to the Future ride was replaced with the Simpsons. I thought it was replaced with Elroy's adventure. Then Elroy's adventure was replaced with the Simpsons. I think wherever that ride was, I think it's the Simpsons now. Oh, man. I, I feel like so Speak- I, there's a there's a whole youtube channel dedicated to like the uh fallen theme park rides called dismal land um and i i feel like there, there should be a spot for some of these like kind of evergreen ideas and back to the future is one of those things that i think that should always be there like space mountain like back to the future should be a thing i would love to see one of the big 3d headset designers get to have the rights to those things just to put on their headsets oh my god that'd be crazy um all right we gotta we gotta move on or else we'll talk about back to the future too for an hour no no no, but that's good this is what i wanted um so everyone knows that i have always been more into horror and stuff and so as you can as you can tell i was probably kind of a goth kid even though i didn't dress like a goth kid uh and one movie that i probably watched more than any other outside of the ones i've already named was alex proyas's 1994 uh proto superhero masterpiece the crow <laughs> i have seen the crow so many times i can quote that movie i have the soundtrack i know the i know the beats and this is a movie that like i i was i've always been scared to rewatch as an adult in certain times because i'm like okay this is gonna be a time where it doesn't hold up because it was made in 1984 and those special effects are for a big studio movie actually passable and 
No, there wasn't. Remember, there was one special effect that didn't quite work out. Bro, bro, bro. No, that was that nah, was nah, that nah. was cold. That was no, bad form. That, that was that bad was form. No, that was no, bad no. form. You you don't disrespect Dan. Luke, I right apologize. Now. I apologize. Um, so I, I I played this one for uh, Krista. I think last year, or maybe it was during quarantine, and. Uh, I was like, hey, this is one of my favorite movies, but, you know, I, it was 1994, so if it doesn't hold up, it's cool. And she loved it. Like, cause, because it's like this big, gothic, romantic revenge movie. Like, it's it's one of the best action movies. And I remember seeing interviews at the time with Brandon Lee, because uh, I had the the special edition VHS and the special edition DVD where, like, you got all the interviews and i remember him having this whole conversation with the interviewer and being like you know i've done action movies but i was trying to veer away from the stuff that my dad was doing and he goes this is the first movie where i feel like the the violence feels justified and i mean you can debate that all you want but like there was a real pathos to the creation of brandon lee in or sorry the creation of eric draven in brandon lee's mind and that comes through in the performance and i think it's what makes this movie work so well is there is a real passion behind everything in this movie and i i talked to what my first comic book to that comic book comic uh, convention i got to meet james ovar who made the crow comic book and i was asking him a couple questions not trying to bother him too much because he's a really intense guy <laughs> and I was like, well, so how do you feel about like the more recent movies that because at that time one was coming out? And he's like, you know, they're fine. You know, they'll they don't really listen to me or my ideas. But like when I when I was doing the first one, Alex, which is Alex Proyas, the director, he had me on set a lot. He asked me questions. He listened to my ideas. And he goes, it's a perfect adaptation of what I do. And I mean, in in 2024, we are. Uh, supposed to be getting a new adaptation of that book that's supposed to be closer to the graphic novel, which I I'm fine with, but like I don't think is necessary. I've always liked the idea of like other crow stories, but um, Bill Skarsgård is a great choice for Eric Draven. So. <laughs> um, have you have you ever seen the Crow? Drew? I've never seen it. I know I only know of it because when you're main actor passes away during the production of the right of the movie deal. it was a big deal i gotta i gotta make you watch it this year because you gotta you gotta get your goth on i mean this uh, is this is what this is one of those episodes where we just talk about oh, this is basically just show planning 2024 in an episode you know we're kind of just see, doing I, that right now these are some of my favorite episodes the like the games that made us I, I just i like chit-chatting and me even as a podcast listener like i just i like listening to people chit-chat and so i'm I'm having a good time. I hope you are, but oh, I am. I in fact, I'm I'm ready to talk about mine because yeah, yeah. I'm sorry because I know you haven't seen The Crow, so but yeah, this is this is one that I watched a lot as a kid. It really kind of got me into the gothy stuff, um, and it kind of it, it it I think for me it connected some puzzle pieces that were always there because you know I was always in horror and stuff, but like it really kind of aligned my trajectory as being kind of a punk kid and kind of a gothy kid. And just like, I went from there. Um, but so yeah, what's, what's your next one? So this one is, is a bit weird because I, there, there was a moment in time where this movie was on all the time. And that moment passed. I want to say relatively quickly, but it, whenever it was on, I watched it. I honestly didn't realize that I could have gotten it on tape at the time until, um, today when i was thinking about it and it's a it's a movie that honestly again this is another one that i have a feeling we're going to visit at some point um because there was a little film it was actually a a sequel um it was direct to video in the u.s uh but it was it got uh it got broadcast in theaters in certain parts of the world in fact it was credited as predator 3 in the philippines which is interesting enough uh, and this film oh, is—I always loved stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, uh, which is—I I love it. Uh, but this is a, a little film uh, that is weirdly, weirdly more impactful in my life than I give it credit for, despite the fact that its impact is not really about the film itself. And that is Guy Vertu, Dark Hero. 
Uh, Giver 2 was a big deal in the early days of the Sci-Fi Channel. It was on Sci-Fi Channel all the time, and it starred a, you know, relatively... Un- I, I, you cut out because of, because Zoom killed your audio. <laughs> yeah. Snake. Yes. Uh, Giver 2 is a, a sequel to the live action Giver movie, um, which in itself was a, a movie I very much love. I've only was, I, the, I've only seen it. I, th- I think I got that on tape because I wanted to see it after watching Giver 2. And I've only seen it once or twice. I do not remember much of all. For about some it. reason, I thought I made everyone watch it for the podcast, but I don't think I did. You did not. Uh, we have talked about doing Giver stuff uh, on the podcast. And wouldn't you know, <laughs> oh, it boy. probably will. But uh, Giver 2 is a sequel to that. Um, it is a more it's cl- a closer to the original uh, manga uh, th- than the original film is Sup- supposedly. I mean, closer doesn't mean identical. No, but like. It's closer in in certain aspects, but in the story itself, it's still its own thing. Yeah, which is, you know, which is fine. But uh, the 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 uh, the the, they replaced the main actor uh, in this with a man named David Hayter, which I learned his name then David Hayter, uh, who played a character named Sean Barker, who was the Giver. And then uh, I started noticing that Sean Barker was credited in a lot of things I was watching that were animated. You know, he uh, there's a guy named Sean Barker uh, that uh, played uh, Lupin the third in the castle of Cagliostro. Uh, there was a guy named Sean Barker that played uh, Bernie Wiseman uh, from Gundam 0080 war in the pocket. Uh, there was a guy named Sean Barker that was in this and a guy named Sean Barker that was in that. Um, yeah, uh, Sean Barker is David Hayter. David Hayter used his character's name from Giver 2 professionally for. Oh, basically, wow. for any live action thing he was doing, he was David Hayter. But anything that he was the voice of, he used Sean Barker until. Until well, no, he continued to do it after because uh, the War of the Pocket dub and the Castle of Cagliostro dub uh, came out after Metal Gear Solid. But Metal Gear Solid and Metal Gear Solid, he was uh, he was credited as David Hayter, and I remember knowing that he got cast. Like, wait, the guy from Guyver? Um, listen, I Gu- don't think that I ever knew that you and I had Guyver connections because I. Have we we've talked about Guyver? Miles, we've talked about it, but I don't think that I knew this was. I would have never guessed this was on your list. Oh yeah, I told you I had some surprising picks here because I loved this movie. It was because it was cool anime style. The Guyver armor that they have in the movie is super cool. This movie, I remember this movie because the fights in this are phenomenal. The fights are great. Um, I have recently learned that this movie was rated R. Uh, unlike the PG-13 rating of the first movie, but because I watched it on TV, I never got the R-rated cut, so now I want to find the R-rated cut, and I'm going to go to Just Watch to see if Guyver 2 is streaming anywhere. Um, So, Guyver Dark Hero, for the longest time, was on Tubi. I don't think it is now, because I watched it on Tubi like a year or so ago. I thought we talked about this, Um, because it was the first actual movie I watched in full on Tubi. And I looked out and I had a 30 second commercial at the beginning and then I did not have a commercial until the last 10 minutes. Uh, uh, it is not streaming right now. You can buy it for 10 bucks on all the major platforms. However, the Giver, the the first live action movie doesn't appear to be streaming anywhere right now. I uh, have the the arrow Blu-ray <laughs> for, for the Giver. I was obsessed with the Giver as a kid. Um, and I loved both of those movies very very much the the guyver was the first adult animation i ever watched i don't know if you you probably remember this uh if you're listening at home once upon a time uh subtitle anime would come out on vhs here but it would not come out censored and it reached a point where blockbuster decided oh we have to put a special like sticker on these movies because otherwise parents will rent these for their kids. That was, that was when uh, it wasn't anime back then. It was, it had a very special name. Japanimation. Japanimation. 
<laughs> yes, I remember that very much. Thank you, Sci-Fi Channel. And I remember like having seen the Giver on cable, and I mean, I I taped that movie. Uh, like I found it on the TV guide so I could see it again and taped it because I was obsessed with that movie. And so when I found out that our blockbuster had a Giver, as I, I put it, a cartoon, even if it had a viewer discretion sticker on there, oh, I, I peeled that thing off in the back so that <laughs> no one could see it. And I took <laughs> it to the front, so I gave it to my mom, and... So it was it was the first Japanese to, subtitle anime to, I ever watched. To this day, I've never seen the Giver anime. And I've never well, read so the manga. This wasn't even the this was this was the 88 OVA. This isn't even the anime. Like the actual series. This was like an OVA. And like so things that I had not been prepared for that my little brothers watched with me. Oh was, gosh. Uh the gore? Okay. That that made sense. There's a little implied uh amounts of that in both movies. The nudity? That was a surprise. First uh, animated nudity I ever saw. Uh, the, the weird biohard tentacle stuff was very much a shock um, to a 10-year-old me. <laughs> <laughs> um, all of which is in that because there, in, in the original, I think, manga, there's, I think there's three, maybe four Guyvers. And one is a woman that works for this, this bio corporation. And obviously, when everyone else becomes a, a Giver, it's it's whatever. But when she becomes a Giver, oh, it's you got to see everything. It's it's one of those things that's always present in that media. The eighties um, in Japan, gang. The eighties in Japan. Yeah, but I know I was a huge, huge Giver fan. I love I love the design of the Bio Booster armor. I think it's still one of my favorite like outfits. It's uh, the two thousand five series is on Crunchyroll. Um, I don't see any oh, awesome. of any of the other none none of the others are available. Anywhere I don't think any, any series has actually fully covered the manga, from what I've heard. I'd like to um, read. I'd like to read the manga. You know, a manga. I've been. I I, I started reading because I woke up at four o'clock in the morning the other night and I couldn't get to sleep. So I I started reading Battle Angel Alita again. I've read a lot of that manga. It's on. Dude, I have been wanting to read that forever, and I've also heard the movie's very good. It's on. Uh, it's on. Uh, the the Comixology service, like the where you pay four oh, bucks nice. a month, and yeah, it's got. Oh well, not all of it is, is that, but a lot of it is. That? Yeah, they do. Awesome. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So anyway, Giver, anyway, <laughs> Diver. Awesome, awesome, awesome choice. Um. So when you were when you were uh big in the guyver and stuff did that help you like did you know that was based off a manga at the time or like, i did, did because because i, I want to say by the time it came out to sci-fi channel um because if you knew who the voice actor was and stuff i, I would assume that you kind of i, I want so i want to say this was around the time that the internet was starting to happen to pop to pop now i want to say this it came out in 94 but I want to say it didn't really hit in America until 96, 97. I don't actually know. Um, yeah, just a reminder that David Hayter also wrote the first two X-Men movies. He is. He's done. Yeah, a, he's a screenwriter. He's done a bunch of stuff. He's got a very robust career. I, mean, I wouldn't. The first one. Well, it's hard to say because I know so much was cut from that one, but the second one's pretty great. But uh, but yeah, so um, it, uh, and again, I, I remember so little of this movie. I know there are zoonoids uh, and I know at one point a zoonoid becomes a Giver and that's a big deal. Um, the Giver zoonoid, because that wasn't supposed to happen. But that's about all I remember, um, other than the Giver suit looking cool and having. I wish the, I had the told you when blades. it was on Tubi because like I, I remember watching it and being like, oh, man, I found the Holy Grail because like I can't believe like Tubi always gets these movies that like you don't think are going to get any sort of digital representation at all. And they they get some stuff on there. And and it often means that there's going to be some sort of release. Um, I have not seen anything. For Giver to Dark Hero um it's not on it's not on tubi right now um but but, but yeah uh, i mean I, it's 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 interesting that like you know it 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 came out i mean the power rangers was a thing in america by the time the guyver came out 
And this is like by the time the second one came out. Yeah, by the time the second one came out. Uh, but it's like a dark version of like it's like evil common writer kind of stuff. Common writer and Guyver have a lot of similarities. Yeah, well, I mean, it's I, I would say I wouldn't say evil common writer because the Guyver like itself. I mean, the the character is supposed to be like a, a hero, and very much like the initial common writer, it's just a a dark bio horror superhero show. Yeah. And the the original Common Rider is a dark bio horror superhero show at its core, and I think that's a pretty good, um, pretty good, pretty good comparison actually. I I have one that is very very opposite from everything we talked about so far. Uh, hit me. So there is a movie that came out in. 1995 and it was heavily promoted i remember seeing it in a lot of my comic books a lot of my magazines and it's a movie that a lot of people i feel like initially thought oh this is not going to be for me and for my money it's one of the best coming of age teenage comedy films ever made it's also the Jane Austen Society has considered it the best adaptation of Emma, and that is Clueless. Clueless is great. Clueless is a movie that at one point my friends and I had memorized the entire script, and we could, and and not believe that we memorized the actual script. We memorized the movie from watching it so much, and we could. I mean, we would, we would be like eating soda and stuff, and we would be trading lines. Like someone would be playing Cher, someone playing Dion, and like all all of it. And it introduced to us Brittany Murphy. I mean, she had been on TV and stuff, but this was like her big breakout role. And this this movie, I think, is maybe one of the most important massive comedies of the 90s. It really it, it, honestly, it it pains me that I didn't watch it for the first time until fairly recently. Really? Yeah. So, because this one was PG-13, so I saw it in theaters. Because it was a it was a movie where, like, you know, I'm, I'm not not to be not to be that guy, but like when it came out, I was like a young male and therefore presumed that it wasn't for me. That I would I, you know, and and well, and that's what a lot of people thought. Like, I mean, you, you you're right. A lot of people thought that this wasn't gonna be for them for them like they came they get that i went with a group because i was like all right yeah we'll, we'll go to this that's what you know i i, I agree because i wanted to hang out with everybody and i mean i own this movie on vhs i've owned it on dvd i've i don't think i have it on 4k um but this this movie is one of my favorite comedies of all time i think it's so funny i think it proves that Paul Rudd is a vampire. Paul Rudd. Well, no, because you can see him. He's a daywalker. He's a daywalker. He's a daywalker. Yeah. I've seen Paul Rudd um, outside. He's a daywalker. Yes. Um, Paul Rudd is eternal for sure. Um, but you have so many amazing performances. Even the teachers who are played by kind of elder comedians are phenomenal. Um, everyone in this movie brings their A game. I think it's Amy Helgenberg's best movie. I know she tried to do um another kind of comedy in the 2010s even i think with alicia silverstone called vamps and i heard terrible things yeah i mean trying to trying to to light the same firework doesn't always work but uh but i mean this movie is i i mean the way that people talk about like john hughes era movies for the 80s like this is i think i think the closest the, ni- the 90s didn't con- get consistent great comedies like they a lot of them were like you know touchstones from the 80s like of your american pie okay this is our sex comedy i think clueless is one of our great comedies from the 90s and this is and this is a movie that i've seen so many so many times well and i mean that's how i know that you're just a virgin who- it cut you out it cut you out so oh, bad man. Uh, I, I hate it for you, but you, you and listeners at home fill in the line because we know you know it. Um, so 
speaking of comedies from the 90s, and this is the last one uh, for me tonight. Um, I have to go have, have a because I've talked about, you know, Tremors 2 and Guyver 2 and, and all this stuff. But there is a movie that every Back to Future 2, a lot, a lot of Back to Future 2, for you. a lot of sequels. Well, I'm a sequel guy, apparently. <laughs> I love Empire Strikes Back. Star Trek 2 is uh, my favorite Star Trek movie. All, uh, but sometimes I also swap that out for First Contact, which is the second next generation movie. I'm two for two anyway. Uh, but a movie that uh, is is really. It's one I honestly haven't watched in a number of years, so I I and I because mostly because I'm afraid it's not going to hold up. But a movie that was such a huge. Comic touchstone for not just me, but people our age. Um, and that is uh, Chris Farley and David Spade in guess it, guess Tommy it, Tommy boy, Tommy boy. Yes, it wasn't black sheep. Black sheep is good, but it's not Tommy boy. Black sheep is fine. Black it's, sheep is fine. It's not Tommy boy. It's not Tommy boy. Tommy boy is uh, an absolute classic. And I, I have seen that a lot. That, that I mean, so one of the things I think one of the things that's important to to note, especially if we're talking about movies that we watched a lot in the 90s is, you know, we didn't have streaming services. And if you owned a movie or or you were resorted to cable, that was what you had to watch. So if I had a library of, of VHSs, well, I'm going to pick one of those if nothing's off on TV. But if USA Network's playing Tommy Boy again, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah. It's a fat man in a little coat. Let's do it. <laughs> so we, we actually used recently did that and, and had the same result and it was supposed to be a christmas gift oh no it started off as a joke and then it turned into the actual thing that happened fat and i was like oh this is little co fat guy in a little co it's so good yeah i mean like like uh the pest in certain ways in that this movie's kind of not a good movie in, in you know a traditional sense but everything works and it's it's mostly because your your two main actors david spade and chris farley you can tell have a comedic camaraderie there is such i mean and obviously we've, we've heard a lot about this from from adam sandler in recent years um about farley and i think they're still working on a doc about him but from everyone that I've ever talked about, even from the time, like everyone I've listened to talk about Farley, like there was something about working with him that was magic. And, and this movie, I think more than any others, even though I loved everyone. Um, this movie, I think was the lightning in the bottle for Farley. Yeah. And everything about this movie has kind of an eighties comedy, like level of like, Oh, but that scene, but that scene, but that scene. Like we all talk about like and this movie is singularly like responsible for generations getting an entire line of pop culture wrong for all eternity. <laughs> it's Herbie Hancock. <laughs> uh, no, that's not what I'm talking oh, about. Oh no, what which one are you talking about? Because this scene has Chris Farley yelling into a fan, Luke, I am your father. And That's from that point on, everyone has always said, Luke, I am your father, as the line from Star Wars. That 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 didn't start here. That was a known It did. Pe pe oh, I refuse no, to it believe it. There. I refuse to Prove believe it. Me wrong. It started in 1994. Four or five. Five, maybe five. Um, with that one. Because at, who who do you know who says Luke, I am your father, that didn't see Tommy Boy, or that didn't come up from that 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 era? I can't answer that question because I hear Luke, I am your father so constantly. often, constantly. That's that that, 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 that to me starts. it was that to me it was a whole thing. It starts with Chris Farley. Oh, I'm I. But to this day, I do say Herbie Hancock when I'm signing something. <laughs> it's Herbie Hancock. 
anytime I think about John Hancock, I think about Herbie Hancock, and then I do the. I can't. I can't not. And then I think about the song, um, and then I do the dance. It's a. It's a whole thing. No, it's 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 a perfect comedic relationship. Um, I mean, like everything that like Steve Martin and John Candy had in Trains, Planes, and Automobiles, like is infinitely like possessed here. Like it's such a a phenomenal movie. Like. Because it's one of those movies that that, that it, it, it yeah it's a dumb movie it's just like like the pest or like other popular movies that talk like Dumb and Dumber and stuff but like like every good comedy like it doesn't matter if it's smart did it make you laugh are you having a good time those are the important questions when you're watching a comedy yes like I don't care that it's not a smart movie but I is it an enjoyable movie like am I like the entire point of of a comedy is to make you feel good to make you laugh and this movie has brought joy to so many people like I, I i get why it's one of your most watched uh, so that's that's my list i know i have others that i could talk about but those are the ones that i i really wanted to to hammer on um, do, do you have one more for me miles i have i have one more um because i know a lot of people are expecting horror movies from me and there are plenty of horror movies that i've watched a lot um but i'm not going to talk about any of them tonight um I have I have one more that has has popped up re- like not recently, but so the first time I ever met my fiance, uh, we were talking about '90s movies, and and she innocently brought up a question that will forever haunt me. Now, uh, have you seen a Goofy movie? Oh, to Lord. which I responded, um, the two Powerline songs from that film are two of the best pop songs of the 90s, which I still stand by. Um, and that was but, when, and that, listeners, is when they knew true love would last forever. <laughs> um, the, <laughs> it's possible for that because <laughs> she kept talking to me. Um, and, and She kept talking to you and y'all weren't even doing a podcast together. Wild. Yeah, we weren't even doing a podcast. <laughs> what, was, what, what was her motivation there? Um, so... Since then, I have seen a Goofy movie more times than I can count. And I know, I know, Drew, you have been there when she has tried to make everyone watch a Goofy movie. I haven't been there for that. I, I those, you, those, were you not Max, where she was trying to make everyone watch, watch a Goofy movie? I came like the next day. I was not there oh. for that night. Um, no, if, if, if you ever, ever meet my fiance, she will talk or want to watch a Goofy movie with you. It is her favorite movie every, of all time. Every time I see a Powerline cosplayer, uh, at Dragon Con, I take a picture and I send it to you. Well, I mean, so your wife uh, gave me the um, the link for those uh, connecting Max and Roxanne uh, t-shirts that we wore for our engagement. I didn't. Re- oh, we, I didn't realize she gave. Oh, I didn't know. Ah, ha, ha. She, she, she sent me the link. But like, if you look back in our conversations, she was like, hey, Krista would love this. We were we wore those on the day at Disney where we got engaged. I didn't know she had sent you a link to those. That's 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 hilarious. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, no, that that was all Rebecca on that one. Oh, um, uh-huh. and, I, and and it was funny because I made sure that she packed that shirt, and I made sure that she wore it on the first day we went to Magic Kingdom, so that we would have those shirts when we got engaged. Uh, this um, year, this year at Dragon Con, uh, Rebecca and I ran into uh, Jason Marsden, who is the voice. Oh. Of Max Goof. I know, because I have never seen Krista be envious. Well, so the, the, she was like fuming. <laughs> we ran into him on the floor. He was in costume. So voice of Max Goof in costume. What is he dressed as? Robin. Robin. That's right. Robin. You mean the logo that Miles has tattooed on his wrist? Robin? Yeah, you held up the wrong arm. That's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um but it was it was one of those things where it's like we have to send this picture to them right now (laughs) no it was so funny because um i i had had my engagement ring forever and initially i was going to ask her we were we were planning to go to momocon in 2020 because bill farmer and james marsden were supposed to be there as max and goofy and i was going to slip uh goofy a hundred dollars to say something in his goofy voice 
And and as he's talking to her, I was going to slip behind Krista and be on the knee with the ring and everything. And then COVID happened. Yeah. (laughs) COVID ruins everything. COVID ruined everything. (laughs) And I was like so stuck on that idea. So eventually I was like, all right, you know what? We're just going to engage at Disney Um, three years later. But uh, I have seen a Goofy movie so many times. And honestly, like, even though, like, it is sometimes like, do you want to watch a Goofy movie? Not really. But it's also, like, legit such a phenomenal film. It is a great film about a dad who loves his son. It's a great film about coming of age as a teenager. It's got songs that slap. It's got two of the best pop songs of the 90s. And I will put that against anyone. Kevin Campbell came to town when he did those power line songs. Hey, uh, hey, they wanted hey. James Brown, but he, no, Kevin Campbell delivered way better than he would. Hey, Miles, guess what? So, I've never seen it. You have no idea what you've done. <laughs> <laughs> I did, however, I watched a lot of Goof Troop. I watched the show. But I never watched the movie. So funny story. Uh, a goofy movie was supposed to like cap off Goof Troop. It was supposed to be like the end of Goof Troop. The, the, the movie was supposed to be like, all right, we're going to do a movie to like, you know, s- as a big send off. And the movie actually did OK. It didn't do as well as they had wanted, but it did well enough to get a direct video sequel. Um, but direct video stuff has quite an effect on kids who rent tapes and an entire generation has had a huge response to that film as evidenced in merchandise like target and hot topic who have gone all in on powerline goofy movie merch um and i have several very expensive lounge fly backpacks to prove that um, <laughs> um and, and even even some of the burger king toys i, I bought some of those off ebay but uh, yeah, a goofy movie is legit. If you've never seen it, it's I, I would say one of the best Disney movies of the '90s. It's certainly in my top ten. I think it's a phenomenal movie. I think it's really honest in a way that a lot of these big tentpole movies aren't. And I have watched it so many times, dude. I'm probably gonna see it tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Well, gang, I think that is a good uh, basis for if you ever question where Miles and uh, my particular psychoses came from. Well, you got a, you got a bit of an answer uh, today. I don't uh, know if you did, but like you, you, you certainly started the started on the on your way. <laughs> uh, so, you know, we started with a with a talk nerdy topic uh, for for this month. Uh, what are we doing next week? So next week is. <sighs> It's going to be weird because we have never really done this on the show. You 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 guys did it once uh, in the Dark Ages, uh, which is when I referred to before me. Um, but we uh, never really talk about music. Yeah, we, we, we don't talk about music because it's difficult on a show that we don't play. We don't pay licensing rights for music, so we can't play. Well, and music. we're not a music podcast. So we don't we don't dig in the weeds. And so Drew to me, infamously, not to the audience, I don't know what your style is. I know some of your favorite bands, but you are either cagey or you just don't listen to a ton of music habitually. Whereas uh, me and our former co-host Mike, we're we're big music guys. We listen to music all the time. And so I kind of wanted to talk about music that shaped us, music that's important to us. Like, things that we like or things that we look for in music because it's not something that, that's been talked about much on the more you nerd. And it's honestly something I always have chased with you. And like, we, we will, we will text for a little bit and then you will, you will kind of like, all right, that's, I'm done with this conversation. And I'm, I'm like, no, 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 I'm not. <laughs> Miles, you, you'll be like, listeners, I'll, I'll listen to one band that you like and I'll give you 10 examples. And you're like, no, this is too punky. This is too poppy. This is too, <laughs> Like, and it's all around the thing, the thing you liked, but it's not exactly that same thing. <laughs> so listeners, Miles, uh, right before we started recording, told me, 
you know, I don't know what your musical taste is. I know a couple of bands that you like, but that's the extent of I know your favorite bands and that's it. And that does not help me. (laughs) (laughs) So it's going to be an interesting episode. We've never really done one like this, uh, but that's going to be next week as we dive into talking about uh, music that shaped us and music that continues to shape us. Uh, so in the meantime, if you would like to reach out to us, you can find us at themoreunerd.com where you can find this and every other episode we have ever done. Uh, you can go to facebook.com slash themoreunerd. You can go to uh, Twitter, I guess, at themoreunerd. X. I mean, I'm there. I'm mostly posting about wrestling, <laughs> but uh, I'm still posting about other stuff. Um, One this day- year, I'm going to be better about being on Blue Sky. Yeah, one day Miles is going to post on Blue Sky so that we can talk to you guys on Blue Sky. Also at the More You Nerd, of course, you can also email us the More You Nerd at gmail.com. That's the More You Nerd at gmail.com. Tell us what movies you always caught on TV every time it was on. I would personally like to know. Um, you can also go to CosmicCrit.com, which is our other podcast where we it's a Starfinder live action role play podcast. And as part of that at CosmicCrit.com, you can join our Discord where Miles and I talk every day, all day, about yeah, everything. Yeah, and if you have some things that you want us to tackle in the new year, let us know. Um, we've got some things cooking. Um, I am still trying to figure out how to get Drew to watch wrestling. Um, but that's still... I'm, I can't, I'm trying to formulate how to make that a, a workable challenge. Um, but we'll figure it out. You don't want you don't want to me to do a wrestling podcast because I'll just do the uh, Macho Man voice the entire episode and you'll get very very tired of it. Despite the fact that my Macho Man is very good. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> and now, gang, we are going to end this show as we always do with a rousing nerd out. Too nerd for y'all. <laughs>